So we have been talking about the eight steps from death to life, but we kind of been going through the book of Acts, and we've been looking at the examples of salvation throughout the book of Acts. And we've never really done this before. So if you said that you're hearing stuff that you've heard before, uh, I don't know where you heard it, but you haven't heard it from me. And I've never heard Brother Readout teach on it either. So um, I don't know where you heard it, but some of the things that you're going to, because you're going to see this common thread, this common theme going through the book of Acts, um, the eight steps, and it always started with the foundation. So last week we went uh, and we talked about some things in Acts chapter 18, if you remember, right? Uh, we talked about the jailer. We talked about, um, did we talk about the seller of purple? Lydia, the seller of purple last week. And then, so this week we're going to be talking about, we're going to be going into Acts chapter 19. We're going to be talking about Ephesus, the church in Ephesus, the Ephesians. But we're going to lay a little, a bit of the setting first before we jump into it. We're going to put a little groundwork down. So just kind of get in your mind, Ephesians, the church at Ephesus. Okay, just kind of get that in your mind. So uh, first of all, the first mention of Ephesus is in Acts chapter 18, starting at verse 19. And we're going to read 19 and 20 as all. Paul had been there and had made converts of some of the Jews, but he did not stay that long. So we read in Acts 18, 18 through 20, and Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren and sailed thence into Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Centria, for he had a vow. And he came to Ephesus. Did I tell what? Did I tell you? Okay, 19 and 20. We're going to read through 20. And he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they desired him to tarry longer time with them, he consented not. So he wasn't there too long there in Ephesus. So Apollos had been converted. Um, we don't know where, maybe in Alexandria, and he taught the Jews. So he knew the Lord, but he did not know about the true water baptism of Christians. He didn't know about that. He knew about the Lord, but he didn't know about the true water baptism. And some of Paul's converts from Corinth educated him, but he also left quickly. We can read about that in Acts 18, verses 24 through 28. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man, and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. Apollos was. And being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord. This was Apollos, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So Priscilla and Aquila took Apollos aside 
And he was a, just a great speaker, a great orator. But they expounded unto him the word of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. This was Apollos. So Paul, when he returned, he found certain disciples. He found certain disciples. We see that in Acts chapter 19, verse 1. Let's read that verse. Acts 19, verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coasts, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. So remember, Paul comes to Ephesus and he finds disciples. And so I just want to just talk to you a little bit about what is a disciple. Anybody remember what a disciple is? Definition of a disciple. Who remembers what that is? A follower of Christ? Mm -hmm. It literally means pupil or learner. It's a student, right? That's what disciple means. So Paul had found some disciples, some pupils, some learners, some students there at Ephesus. And so let's talk about the word disciple. Disciples. Luke uses this particular word 69 times between the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. 38 times in the book of Luke and 31 times in the book of Acts. In the gospel of Luke, it is used for a follower of Jesus Christ 33 times. The other five times are um, in Luke 6, verse 40, where Jesus says, he, he, Jesus says, the disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. And the other four times is a reference to John's disciples, the disciples of John the Baptist. So when, you read, when we read in Acts chapter 19, there's a lot of people who have taught this. I had read, read commentaries over the years that talked about when Paul came to Ephesus finding certain disciples that these were disciples of John the Baptist. But it doesn't say they were disciples of John the Baptist. It says finding certain disciples. Okay? So we have four times where the word disciples is used that it's specifically referring to the disciples of John the Baptist out of the 69 times. Those verses are Luke 5:33, which says, and they said unto him, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? Likewise, the disciples of the Pharisees, but thine eat and drink. And Luke 7, 18 and 19, where it says, the disciples of John showed him of all these things. And John calling unto him two of his disciples sent them to Jesus saying, art thou he that should come or look we for another? And then Luke 11, 1, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also 
taught his disciples. So out of all those times in reference to disciples, only four of them referred to disciples of John the Baptist. So in Acts 19 verse 1, Paul came to Ephesus. He found certain disciples. Has anyone here ever studied that and been taught that these were disciples of John the Baptist? Anyone ever studied that? I have. I've been taught that, and I've even uh, shared that in Bible study with people many years ago. But I want to look at Matthew chapter 28, and let's look at verses 18 through 20. This is part of that uh, mountain in Galilee where Jesus was sharing with his disciples. Jesus came. In verse 18, 28, 18, and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. So if you look up the word teach in a Strong's Concordance or any other concordance, it actually means make disciples. Go make disciples of all nations, students, learners, pupils. So go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Baptizing who? The disciples. Because we're making disciples. And what are they learning about? Anyone know what these disciples, these students, when you go to school and I ask Joshua, Joshua, did you go to school today? What did you learn at school today? Division? Division and times. So, all right. You were tested. Awesome. That's great. So he was learning something specific. So as students of the Lord Jesus Christ, what are we learning? What are you learning? About Jesus Christ? Yes. Anything else? About salvation. Anybody else? Anything else? Well, I want to look at verse 20 because it's going to specify something here. It says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So when you go and you make disciples of all nations, the specific thing you're teaching is all things whatever. The the apostles were sent to teach all things whatever Jesus had commanded them, right? So when you look at verse 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Teach them what? All things whatsoever Jesus had commanded them. Uh, Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So we are to learn whatsoever Jesus has commanded the apostles. So John gave instructions. John the Baptist gave instructions to his students. He gave instructions to his disciples. Has anyone read those instructions or Oh boy, I'm getting text messages. Anyone else getting text messages? Um, So 
What did he command his disciples? Anyone know? What did John the Baptist give? He gave commandments to his disciples. We're trying to see what disciples were talked about in Acts chapter 19. And so John the Baptist gave instructions to his disciples. Does anyone know some of the instructions he gave them? Baptism unto repentance. Anyone know anything else? Let's look at some of the scriptures. Let's look at Luke chapter 3, verse 16. John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but he, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Also, we see that same idea in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Do you see how John is not talking about himself? He's pointing to somebody else. He's the forerunner. He was the voice crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Mark chapter 1 verse 8, I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Now let's look at this John chapter 1 verse 15. I'm going to read a lot of verses here. So we're going to read all the way through 37. John 1 15, John bare witness of him and cried saying, this was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, he, for he was before me. If you had been a student of John the Baptist, would you know who Jesus was? Yeah. Of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. This is John the Baptist speaking. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father, he hath declared him. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Art thou Elias? He saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? He answered, no. Then said they unto him, who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us, what sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Esaias. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest, why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me whose shoes latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabara beyond Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith this, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said after, he, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me for he was before me and I knew him not but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. 
And John bare record saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the son of God. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the lamb of God and the, and the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. So you see that John the Baptist, where he was pointing the whole time. So any, if these disciples in Acts chapter 19, they understood who Jesus was if they had been disciples of John the Baptist, they understood who Jesus was because John the Baptist spoke about Jesus. He preached about Jesus. He said, there's one greater than I coming after me. So John pointed to Jesus as the one to follow. So um, I'm going to, well, maybe I won't skip this little cool point. You guys might want to know this. Of the 31 times disciple is used in Acts, one time it is used of a female follower of Christ. It's a feminine form of the word, and it's there in Acts 9.30. Just a little side point. I was going to skip it. But, you know, I'm sure you, you ladies might want to know that. Uh, 29 times it speaks of the followers of Jesus Christ. So, 20 years after Christ died, roughly, um, and 23 years after John died, it is used of 12 men in Ephesus. Those 12 men in Acts chapter 19, verse 1. So are we to assume that it means John's disciples? Knowing what you know about John, knowing what you know, what you know about where John pointed, when it says, finding certain disciples... Uh, most everyone teaches and preaches that they, these were referring to John, the, the disciples of John the Baptist. But if they were disciples of John the Baptist in the past, they were now followers of Jesus Christ because that's where John the Baptist pointed. I think that's the point. Did John ever claim the promise of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost? Did he ever claim it was going to be in his ministry? He pointed to Jesus Christ as the one who would baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And did he ever claim the result or the promise of believing on him? You know, if you believe on me, did John ever do that? Did he ever point to himself? You need to believe on me. No, he never did. He kept pointing to the one that was to come after him. Did he inform every one of his disciples that Jesus is the Lamb of God there in John 129? Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. He did, every one of them. And that he was the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. So the sacrifice John made to ensure his disciples uh, could give their whole attention to following Jesus. We've talked about that before when we went through lesson six and talked about the under the title happiness is. We're not going to go into a lot of details, but I don't know if anyone here remembers that lesson. Probably nobody, right? Anyone remember that happiness is from lesson six? Oh, good. Okay. 
Not good. I mean, <laughs> if you've heard it, you should try to remember something. So I'm going to ask you a question. Does this statement make sense to you? I'm going to ask you this question. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed in John? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed in John the Baptist? It doesn't. So when Paul asked them the question here in Acts 19, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed, what do you think his, he was making reference to? So we'll get to that. So what is believing? Believing is faith plus works, right? We talked about that from James chapter 2, verses 21 through 23. And that's faith in whom? John or Jesus? Jesus, not in John the Baptist. So now let's read Acts 19, 1 through 8, and let's see if we can see the eight steps. I think we built a little bit of a foundation, talked about disciples. Who were they disciples of? Acts 19, verse 1, it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coasts, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? So they were believers. And we know the definition of believing is faith plus works. Believers in whom? So Paul was saying, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. So do you see that these guys did have a revelation? They had at least a basic understanding, a revelation of who Jesus Christ was because they had been taught that. And they were disciples and they were believers and so we know that from just some of those ideas that they were at least believers. Um, there's a couple scriptures. I'm just trying to think of whether I should read some of these. Uh, disciples, Acts 11:16 says, Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said. This was Peter saying, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. That's something that Peter said. Um, and then Acts 19, 26, moreover, ye see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people saying that they be no gods which are made with hands. So the gospel message had been preached in Ephesus. And so that's why Paul could say, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He knew they were believers because that gospel message had been being preached. Acts chapter 20, verse 21, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And Acts 20, verse 26, wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. Okay, because he had went and preached the gospel there already, Paul. That's how he could say he was pure from the blood of all men. So, revelation. He, we know that they had revelation. We know they had understanding of who Jesus Christ was because they believed and they were disciples. Not, it doesn't say they were disciples of John. It doesn't say they believed on John, but they were believers, faith plus works. They had an understanding of who Jesus was. Do we see recognition? Well, have we received the Holy Ghost since? 
We know, we see that in Acts chapter 19, verse 2. So they had already believed. Um, faith plus works. And responding, do we see responding? So have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? There it is again. That's responding, right? It's faith plus works. So what happened so far? They had done what? <clears throat> they had done what they knew to do. But that was not enough to be saved. So there was something they were missing. So Mark chapter 16, verse 16 says, He that believeth, it's not enough just to believe, and is baptized, shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. So these disciples, they did believe, but they had not been baptized yet. Only unto John's baptism, which was not enough, which was not good enough. And then we see in John chapter 3 where Jesus had said, you must be born again of the water and of the spirit. Where, and uh, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So Paul asked in Acts 19.3, he said unto them, unto what then were you baptized? They said unto John's baptism. They said unto John's baptism. So, number four is repentance. Do we see repentance? John's baptism was of repentance. John's purpose was to make ready for Messiah a people prepared for the Lord. He was the forerunner. He was to prepare the way of the Lord. Um, one of the scriptures that I had shared recently is found in the last, very last two verses of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and verse 6. And I just want to show you, this is a prophecy concerning John the Baptist. And it says in verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So that's Elijah. He's going to turn the heart of the fathers towards the children, heart of the children towards the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. But now look at this being fulfilled in Luke chapter 1. An angel had come to Zacharias, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, and this is what he said to him concerning John the Baptist, concerning this son that was going to be born. It says in verse 16, many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. John the Baptist was going to turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias. This was John the Baptist. He was going to go before Jesus Christ to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And I love that. And I love to tell fathers 
that it's our job, right, to turn our hearts towards our children. They hopefully turn their hearts toward us so we can make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's our job as dads. And so I'm not the Lord. I'm not the Lord, but I want to have my, the hearts of my children make them a people prepared for the Lord. So anyways, that's one of the things I like to share to fathers. But in Acts chapter 19, verse 2, do we see repentance? Well, uh, repentance, uh, we see that because John's baptism was of repentance. And John was the one who was to make ready this people, right? That heart. And so repentance really is a heart change. It gets down to the very heart because our hearts are black. Our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That means, Kylie, your heart is more wicked than the devil. I had to pick on Kylie somehow. <laughs> Your own worst enemy is you, right? So the heart is deceitful above all things. There's nothing else that we can point to in our lives and say, it's so-and-so's fault. It's, it's No, your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know? Well, he knows it. He tries the reins in the hearts. It, it goes on to say, Jeremiah 17. And so there is this turning of the heart. God can take and create in us this brand new heart. And so we see that repentance here in this example in Acts chapter 19. Do we see remission? Well, we do because they were all rebaptized. We see that in Acts chapter 19, verse 5. It says, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of of the Lord Jesus. And we know baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ from Acts 2.38 is for the remission of sins. So we absolutely do see baptism and we see remission here, step five. This time, to get remission, they had to be rebaptized. Before Calvary, John's baptism was unto remission. But it was no longer valid. It was a preparation for his coming, not for full salvation. And so they were rebaptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And then, do we see receiving here in Acts chapter 19? Did they receive? It says in verse 6 And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So we do see that they received. There in Acts chapter 19, verse 6. So watch out for hands. Watch out for hands. Line up steps number one through steps number five and your hands may be powerful. If a person has gone through, we need to start at step one. We need to start at the very beginning. If, you, if they've gone through that, then you know, maybe they're ready to receive. Paul laid his hands on them. And then, uh, do
Do we see remaining? Did they remain? Did they stay? Did they learn? Did they grow? That's that place where we got to grow up. We got to learn how to treat our brothers and sisters in the church. Acts 19, 8 through 10. He went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them. And this is what he did. He separated the disciples, the students, the learners, the pupils, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. And he, this continued by the space of two years. Do we see remaining here? So that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Do we see reproducing? Well, let's look at some scriptures. Um, Acts 20, verse 17, and from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. We know there was, there was a church at Ephesus that had been established, uh, the letter to the church of Ephesians. And I want to read something from that letter in Revelation chapter 2. This, these seven verses, 1 through 7, is the letter to the church at Ephesus. And let's read it. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and has borne and has patience. And for my name's sake, ha, I mean, you think about that. Said, thou hast tried them which say they are apostles. And are not. In this day and age, if we did that, we'd be called judgmental. Oh, are you judging me? Well, tried them, found them liars. And this was a commendation from the spirit to the church at Ephesus. Verse 3, it has borne and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. What do you suppose that is? What's the first love? Careful. We got to start with the foundation. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent and do the first works. What are the first works? The foundation. Or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans. We've talked about the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Who remembers what those were? This is actually part of the lesson when we were going through redeeming our society. The Nicolaitans said, what's the issue? It's not a big deal. We can eat meat that was offered in sacrifice unto idols. This is what Nicholas was saying. It's not a big deal. We know that an idol is nothing in the world. We can go to the shambles. We can, they've got, you know, it's like the uh, it's grocery outlet of their day. 
You know, they, the, this meat's already been, it's like on sale. That's no way I can get that meat cheaper anywhere else. And I'm a good shopper. And so you guys go ahead and buy that meat. You know, it's not a big deal. We know that an idol's, and so, but what did Paul say? If I eat this meat and it makes my weaker brother to fall, to stumble, he said, don't eat it. Don't eat this meat. Even though we know that an idol is nothing in the world, just don't eat it. But the Nicolaitans pushed for that. And God said he hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And when people, and we talked about that in step seven standards, because some people say, well, that's not my personal conviction. That's the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Not my personal conviction. Doesn't matter what the weaker brother or the stronger brother thinks. So the beauty of that particular thing is that when we love our brothers and we love our sisters, we don't want to be a stumbling block to them. But the church in Ephesus, they hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. So that was a compliment that they received from the Spirit. So, because the Spirit hates those deeds as well. It says in verse 6, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So, what might the significance be of the manner in which Jesus expresses himself to the angel of the church of Ephesus? What might the significance be? I think I kind of give it away already. Number one, don't leave the foundation. Don't leave that first love. Um, and do the first works. And so that, was, that seems to be something that the Lord Jesus Christ was not real happy about. And so even though this was a church, he said they had left their first love. And so remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works that foundation. So I think that's pretty significant. All right. And there's some other scriptures here, but I think you guys get the point. I think there in Acts chapter 19, we see everything. We see revelation all the way through to reproduction even. And so, all right. We see growth. We see a church. So any questions, comments? Did you guys learn a little bit about Ephesus tonight? This is one of the passages that, like when, uh, uh, over the years, when I've talked to people about Jesus' name baptism, this is very plain here in Acts chapter 19. It's also very plain in Acts chapter 2. It's also very plain in Acts chapter, you know, 10. It's also, you know, so it's plain throughout the book of Acts. And then some people will say, well, baptism in Jesus' name, it's only in the book of Acts. And, you know, you can't really show or prove baptism from the other books. Well, you, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And they'll say, you can't prove speaking in tongues from other books of the Bible. Well, yes, you can. You definitely can. You can go to 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. It does talk about tongues. And you can go to Mark 16 and you know there's other things in the gospels and Romans talks about baptism and so um, 
we see this, all eight of these things here, the church at Ephesus. And so that's another example. I think it's pretty cool going through the examples in scripture. And um, for me, it's been uh, fun going through it. Right. Any questions? Any answers? Do you guys have answers? Questions or answers? Oh, disciple, because it's in the feminine. So um, that's in Acts chapter 9, verse 36. in the feminine students, disciples of Jesus Christ. So who were the disciples in Acts chapter 19, verse one? Were, were they individuals who knew nothing about Jesus Christ? They knew something, right? They were believers, they were disciples. They just hadn't gone to the next, you know, to baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They hadn't gone, because they did believe. They just hadn't been past baptism. So once they got there, he was able to lay his hands on them and they were able to receive the Holy Ghost. They continued there with the teaching and instruction from the Apostle Paul. And then we see the church of Ephesus multiplied greatly. So. They are different. A disciple is a student a disciple is a learner. So the 12 disciples were students and they were learners until Jesus commissioned them and sent them. That's what apostle means, to be sent. So yes, they were, are, are they the same? Are all um, apostles disciples? Yeah, they should be. But are all disciples apostles? No. Uh, so disciples are students, and then uh, apostolo. I don't need, I don't know. I don't speak Greek. I don't know what the Greek word. I don't know how to say it and all that stuff. But if you look up apostle, so you heard of the Great Commission, right? He commissioned the twelve, and he sent them. They became apostles to to send, to commission, to go. Um, somebody look up that word apostle and read the the definition from a Strong's. Somebody do that. See so you can get there the quickest. Go ahead. There it is. So that's the difference between apostle and disciples. That makes sense. All right. <laughs> Yeah, there, I mean, not every uh, disciple is an apostle. Not everyone is apostles. But the 12 original, those 12 disciples all became apostles. They were all sent, commissioned. All right, so that's it. I'm going to have my friend, Brother Michael Sivo, Michael James Sivo I, pray in closing.
Amen. Thank you, everyone. You guys are dismissed in the wonderful and beautiful. Sister B. Um, yes, uh, we're just going to have to keep her in prayer. They did put her on another machine that um, it's... Uh,